Hi, and thank you for joining Dating While Black's radio podcast. Dating While Black was created to open real dialogue between the sexes in hopes that it will foster positive exchange and help cultivate our communities. The radio segments will address issues that relates to the world, our communities, relationships, and everything in between. So sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy this segment. Have you ever got pulled into doing something that you knew you had no business in doing? I mean, literally no business in the sense that it was not even your business to begin with. But somehow, (laughs) out of peer pressure or pure curiosity, you found yourself maybe in a situation that you knew that you should have stayed out of. Kind of like where you were halfway or halfway in, you was like, or it might even been at the beginning, you were kind of like, what am I doing? Yeah, this is not a good idea. Well, I'm going to share a story with you. Uh, the story in particular that my cousin and I promised to take to our graves, mainly for her sake, <laughs> but I'm sure she's told this story as many times as I have. And... It just happens to be her birthday today, which made me remember uh, what we did one uh, summer. (laughs) And who knows, you might even be able to relate. I'm calling this one, Learn How to Spectate and Not Participate. I hope you enjoy. Okay, allow me to set this up. It was the summer of my, the summer after my freshman year in college, or should I say the summer before my sophomore year? I stayed with my cousin in her apartment for two weeks while I waited on my very first apartment to get together. Uh, I never lived on my own before, unless you want to call staying at Murdoch Hall at the University of Central Oklahoma my own home. One night, we were up late and decided that we were going to, out of all things on earth, do a drive-by at our ex-boyfriend's house. Well, not a drive-by, but you get the picture. See, Al was not answering any of his calls, and he was actually acting brand new. It was late, and for me, yeah, I was curious. It seemed like a good idea. But you know how you'd be like, yeah, yeah, we should do that. And then all of a sudden, you're getting into motion before you know it. You got, you know, got on flip-flops and you have a hat on, got on a jacket, and you're about to hop in the car. And it's kind of like at this point, you're like, wait a minute. What did my mouth get myself into, right? Who would not have loved to still be in a bed at 1 o'clock in the morning? Me. But I just wasn't going to allow my cousin to go out there by herself. To be honest with you, she was determined enough that she probably would have went by herself. Um, But 
at the end of the day, I hopped in. And the whole thing came from him, his acting different and his lack of attention or concern. But at the end of the day, it was like, okay, we just gonna, we just gonna pull up. I don't know what the plan was, but like I said, before I knew it, we were definitely, definitely, there was no turning back, right? We were definitely on our way. We hopped into her small two-door car and went on our way. Now, like I said, I, I had to have thought, what am I doing? But yet and still, the mystery intrigued me. And besides, like I said, I wasn't going to let my cousin go in the middle of the night alone. So yeah, I can say it was a mix of curiosity, adrenaline, uh, of course, that enticed me to hop right on in. I'm sure at the time we talked about whatever interests us, but the main focus of that night was Al. It was like Mission Al. <laughs> now, Al, he was tall, athletic, um, athletic built. Let me at least say that. He wasn't that much of an athlete that I remember, but I know his brother was a professional athlete at the time. Al was about 18 or 19. Um... Uh, and unlike us, he lived at his parents' house. Now, before you turn your nose up, Al's parents' house, which I would later discover was ridiculously huge. And if my memory serves me well, it had an outdoor swimming pool, I think a three-car garage, I could be wrong, and the home had to be at least five to 6,000 square feet as I would later learn. Any, and you know, and I'm sure that we was probably listening to some Chris Brown uh, or Usher as we headed closer to the neighborhood. See, in Oklahoma, we only had two major radio stations and one black one that really did not reach all of the area depending on how far you were from the tower (laughs) but still that radio station is black owned and is still going strong in Oklahoma City but at any rate we it didn't take long to get to Al's house at all I mean I didn't know how close he lived he lived about 10 it seemed to be 10 to 15 minutes away from from uh, from her apartment but here we are we made it to the community and of course you know it's one o'clock in the morning or so she slowly turned down her music and this is mainly like I said due to the fact that we're in in a residential area at one o'clock in the morning Now, I can't remember if the community was gated or not, but I remember thinking these are some crazy, crazy sized homes. Like these homes are pretty big. Now, after, of course, a few lefts here, a few rights, we finally made it on his street. 
Uh, and I could tell that we were getting nearer to his house because as we got closer, I felt like we were getting more serious. <laughs> I wouldn't even be surprised if we stopped breathing or maybe she did once we turned on his actual street. But at that moment, as we started creeping, my heart began to beat, right? But here we are, the moment of truth. She pointed and she was like, there it is. And then it hit me. What actually was we going to do? Were we, I mean, go to the door? Well, I surely wasn't. Was we going to do a stakeout to see if we could detect any movement? And I will tell you this, that was one of the, from the outside, one of the best looking homes on that street. Um, again, his brother was a professional uh, player, and I'm not surprised that the house was nice and lavish. And again, you have to also remember at this time I was 19 you know I'm probably pretty sure if I was to see a similar house in today's market I probably wouldn't be as impressed but at that point in time I I, I was um, though it was dark the way the landscape and the lights brought out the house it was just amazing now it didn't look as big as I had imagined from the outside uh, at that time, but needless to say, it was definitely a nice house. And according, at that point, I had only saw the outside. I would later, later, much later, see the inside. From the direction uh, that we turned onto the street, the home was to my immediate right, which means that my cousin, the driver, if my memory serves me correctly, had to look over to my window to check out the home. She was mainly concerned with whose car was in the driveway and, of course, if there was any movement in his bedroom <laughs> or anywhere else in the house. Now, I forget what actually triggered her suspicion, but we took a drive down. We continued to pass by to the end of the street and circled back, this time facing the opposite direction. This would afford her a more direct view as the home would be on the driver's side as we did before she did a slow drive by and then all of a sudden out of the blue I felt a jolt or a thud or maybe it was a thud and a jolt either way see my cousin had an older car <laughs> it was the type of car that was always messing up at the wrong freaking time not that much differently than mine but yet and still, here it is, one inch in the morning, and the car stopped. It didn't stop before we left the house. It didn't stop at the corner of Main and I can't even think of the name of the streets in that town anymore. It didn't stop at the gas station. It didn't stop two blocks from the house, but it stopped right in front of this dude's house. I could not believe it. Like, I think for a quick moment, I kind of looked at her like, why are you stopping here? But I couldn't even front because I felt the car jolt. Obviously, she didn't stop the car right in there. And the look on her face was complete horror. 
I could not, I couldn't believe it. Now we're in a neighborhood of easily half a million, I'm thinking at the time, or a million dollar homes. And to be honest with you, it could have been 300,000. I don't know. But at the end of the day, we are in the middle of a street in a neighborhood, a residential neighborhood, with her car, which probably equated to the cost of their family pet. And we're sitting dab in the middle of the street. I mean, the car didn't even look like it belonged to any house in that neighborhood. And my heart, of course, was beating like no other because I'm kind of scary. I'm not even going to front. Now, this is before, of course, all of the recent hoopla police shootings, excessive force, unnecessary calls to the police. But I want to paint a picture for you. This was Edmond, Oklahoma. Edmond, Oklahoma, currently, this year, <laughs> statistics, I looked it up, is 7% black or African American. Just imagine what it was at least 10 years ago. And considering that Edmond, probably a bulk of that African American population came from the University of Central Oklahoma where people came in from all over to attend school there. I knew I should have stayed my black butt at the crib because me, I am definitely, I was like, I'm not built for this at all. The car stopped in the middle of the street in front of the driveway. So if someone was trying to leave the house or gosh, someone needed to pull in, we was blocking the majority of the driveway. My stomach literally began to churn. I had that little nervous laugh that is annoying for most, but calming for me. See, anytime I get into a situation where I don't know what to do or I'm scared, I begin to uncontrollably laugh like something's funny. And I know it probably aggravated her anymore, even more. But in the meanwhile, if you can picture this, two girls, two black girls in a white older model car stopped in the middle of the street of a very lavish neighborhood at one o'clock in the morning in front of no doubt her boy her my cousin's ex-boyfriend's house I'm thinking gosh what are we gonna do I can only assume that she was contemplating her options at this time while I'm in the car hilariously laughing and probably crying at the same time Maybe she was thinking about calling AAA, her dad, which is my uncle, who lived about a good hour away. But then again, what would she say? What could she say? Why the hell was two 19-year-olds out doing a freaking drive-by in Edmond, Oklahoma at 1 o'clock in the morning, no doubt? Then it became apparent that we had to do something. But (laughs) I wasn't getting out the car. I then began to become paranoid, like, what if they're looking at us out of the window? And it didn't occur to me that someone could even call the police at that time. I was embarrassed and more afraid of him coming out and finding us, as if he was mine, right? 
And then again, I know I keep on saying one o'clock, but you have to understand it's one o'clock in the morning. We didn't necessarily just get off work or get dressed up. We probably, if I remember, we might've even had our pajamas on, right? So we weren't really looking our best. Yeah, yeah, so just imagine that particular picture. And again, at that moment, I was like, I knew I should have stayed at home. I knew I should have stayed at home. And if we were to call AAA, we have to wait there for probably a good hour. Only for AAA to show up with whatever they needed to do, hook us up to a tow, those lights on the top of the tow truck. I'm just imagining the worst. And like I said, I ain't even built for this. And if you know me personally, you know I'm definitely not about that life. So she kept on trying to turn it. She kept on trying to turn it. And then it became evident that somebody needed to get out of the car. Like I said, it was not going to be me. But then again, maybe it had to have been me because she would. Anyway, before it even got to that point, with the final effort, we waited. She turned on the car. Uh, she turned the ignition, the car started, and we sped the hell out of there. And we could not have gotten out there quick enough. Now, this was my little lesson very early on in minding my own damn business and choosing to spectate and not participate. See, it's not, no telling how many times she may have done that because I could see it becoming addictive. Now, not to paint a, a picture of my cousin that she's some crazy chick at all, but she had opportunity and access. And to be honest with you, sometimes if we allow our imagination to get the best of us, if we allow our, <clears throat> our concerns, our, our fears, our thoughts to get to us, it may drive us to do something or act somehow out of character. See, I try to go with the idea now, especially with experience behind me, that sometimes it's just good to sit back and spectate, even in your own situation, even in your own relationships or your dating journey. Sometimes it's best to spectate, take notes, but not participate in what could be the BS. So that's my little my little story of what happened in Edmond, Oklahoma a little while ago between me with me and my cousin. A story like I said that we both said we would take to the grave, but we've laughed about this several, several times. And cousin, baby cousin, if you're listening, happy birthday. You may not be listening to this on your birthday, but just know I thought about you and this is dedicated to you. This is Dee and I'm signing out. Bye.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Dating While Black. If you have a show idea or a suggestion, please reach out to us at info at datingwhileblack.org. This show was brought to you in part by Blush Bartending, Kitty Paw Shoes, Brunch and Body, and The Hunt Dallas. To find out more about Dating While Black, please check us out on all social media platforms. You can also visit our website at www.datingwhileblack.org. We appreciate your support. And as always, put a big smile on someone's face and go love on someone.